Welcome to the City Collective Church Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that in today's message, you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Uh, we are continuing to speed along in our year. We're in the middle of a series that we are calling Somebody to Love, looking at relationships that matter in our lives. I'm, I'm ready to dive in today, turtleneck and all. Uh, last week, we, we looked at what it meant to love ourselves and what it isn't and how receiving God's love for us, uh, it, it, it empowers us to fully experience love for ourselves. The whole series is kind of based out of Matthew chapter 22, where Jesus is asked, which is the greatest commandment? And his response is based out of relationships and love. And of course, this month is all about love. Now, I think every Valentine's Day is a little complicated. Cultural and relational expectations. Flowers, chocolate, romantic dinners, grand gestures, uh, being in a relationship, receiving a Valentine's Day card, calling someone your Valentine. It kind of feels like we're in elementary school all over again. All these kinds of things just come with the day as it has been presented. And I think it's important right off the bat to note that we haven't really gotten it right. That, that we have talked about relationship, relationships and why they matter in, in a weird way. There's this iconic statement that Tom Cruise, he delivers in Jerry Maguire. Maybe you already know what I'm talking about. That has almost subconsciously become normative thinking in our modern culture. He declares, you complete me. He delivers it with emotion in this romantic moment of revelation of what he was missing all along. But hear me when I say this. Um, Being single is not a curse. Being in a relationship is not a reward. And if we are waiting for someone to go complete us, we will find no one adequate enough to fill that need in our life. That's only through our relationship with God that we're going to find any kind of satisfaction. There is beauty to be found in every season. And wherever you find yourself today, my prayer this Valentine's Day is that you discover joy in the season that you're in and experience love in all the ways that God intended. So this week, we are looking at what it means to be in relationships, to love others, and diving into that. So uh, whether you are in a relationship or not, loving others is part of our lives. And, and I would like to ask a question that I think that uh, I often get a really passionate response to, and it's this. Is it possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love forever? Is it possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love forever? And as you look around your circumstances, as we look around culture, I think we're tempted to say no. We don't think it's possible. But deep down, I think within each of us, we all kind of believe it is because we believe that somewhere out there is that special someone. We, we hope for it. And, it. and we can just come and eventually meet the right person. Then perhaps we can fall in love and stay in love forever. We've got this deep desire for, for connection and intimacy, not just to stay married, but to stay in love. It's that thing that first brings you together, that spark of passion, that excitement, that romance. It, is it possible for people to maintain that kind of thing throughout a lifetime? I believe it is. 
We have guards and defenses, but we meet someone and have a great conversation, have this gravitational attraction, and immediately we start to think, well, maybe this is the exception to what I see all around me. And I think part of the reason we believe that is the case is that we are created by a God that put it in you, that put it in me. A desire for love, a desire that goes beyond surface friendship, but deep connections and relationship. There, there's a desire in us for a depth of love. And I believe that love and relationship can be a lifelong truth because it is an eternal reality we find in Jesus. You and I are made in the image of God. So our capacity for love is not based on our strength, but upon God's. Therefore, my hope for love and relationship is not based on my ability or my desire, but upon God's desire for each of us. And he desires for us to experience love. So this morning, we're talking about loving others, being in relationships, and discovering love beyond a moment. I want to introduce you to a mug, which is going to represent my mug. I forgot mine today. But we all have our mug in the house. Am I right? Everyone knows when they come that this is Jason's and it says hubby on it. And if someone else is using it, I might ask them, do you think you should be using that right now? You come into my house, you sit on my couch, you drink from my mug. I'm just kidding. You can come sit on my couch. But drink from my mug is probably a no-go. Because we all have a mug, and, and for our talk today, I want you to realize that you've got a mug. You and I have mugs that are full of our stuff. And when we get bumped, it comes out, and we generally get bumped the hardest in romantic relationships. That's not the only time where we get bumped, but whenever we do, to whatever degree, that's when the stuff comes I want to take you to a passage of scripture that you probably have all heard at some point in time. Um, it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And 1 Corinthians is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Corinth. And in chapter 13, it's typically called the love chapter. Say it with me at home. The love chapter. Chapter 13. Uh, I've included it in every wedding that I've ever had the privilege of conducting. And, and they, they come from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, these, these words of love. And as we read, I think we're going to go uh, deeper into it. We're going we're gonna to get into it. And I, I would be really curious what you thought as we started to read it. There's, there's one verse in particular, verse 7, that when I read growing up and even in adulthood, I would think to myself, I'm not sure that's really good advice. In fact, I don't even know if that's realistic. And I know it's in the Bible and I need to take it seriously, but everything else I was probably like agreeing with, yeah, that sounds like pretty good. I can probably get behind that. But I don't know about verse 7 of 1 Corinthians 13. But I think the Apostle Paul is trying to provide a very powerful statement. And it's not just one statement. He actually gives us four that come together to communicate this very powerful idea. So we're going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And here's what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 4. Love is patient. Yep, got that. Love is kind. Check. Does not envy. Okay. Does not boast. On it. Uh, is not proud. I can see that. Gotcha, Paul. Um, it does not dishonor others. Good idea. Um, if I'm in a relationship, I don't want to probably dishonor that person. Um, it's not self-seeking. Okay, self-seeking works against love. Yep, I understand that. Uh, I need to work on that one, but it's, it's not... I, Love is not easily angered. I'm going to work on that. Keeps no record of wrongs. 
Uh, don't raise your hand in the room, but some of you might feel like this is somehow limiting you from showing your true power. You've got a great memory. So showing, keeping no record of wrongs is difficult. It's like that couple that are getting in an argument and one would open that file drawer mentally and go about 32 years back and reach down into their drawer of memories on April 13th, 1989 to prove their point. Probably room for improvement for some of, some of us. Verse six, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. So all of that's like, boy, Paul, thank you. I need to work on those things. You know what? I needed to hear that. I should probably hear that on my wedding day as well. That's a really good list. And then we get to verse seven. And here's what Paul does. He takes a little Greek word and he uses it four times and he matches it up with four different Greek words or phrases. Paul is getting at one of the most important habits, one of the most important practices in a relationship. And here's how he says it in verse seven. Love always protects. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Say it again, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now when I read that phrase, believes all things or always trusts, I, I have a problem with that sometimes. I would think for a minute that it kind of makes love seem blind to all things. I mean, what if there's evidence to the contrary? Am I living, if I'm living in a socially distanced world where I'm saving my snack and I'm putting it in the fridge and where there's only one other person in my household, per person in my household and said snack was no longer there the next day, I don't think I would trust the other person who will not be named is all, as maybe being all that trustworthy when they tell me oh so innocently that they weren't sure where it went. I know. And when you pull that one out by itself, I mean, isn't that kind of unhealthy? I, I would see that phrase, always trust, and I don't know about that one. But I want to explain to you what the Apostle Paul is getting at, and then I want to come back to that verse and read it again through a new lens. So, in, in every relationship at some point along the way, there is a gap between what we expect and how people behave. And this gap is called the expectation gap. At some point, I expected you to do this, but in actuality, you did that. Fair? You can nod at home instead of pointing fingers. It's okay. You said you'd be there at 4 and it's 4.30. You're not there? Right. You said from now on you would do those chores and those chores, they haven't been done. You promised me that you would call them and you still haven't called them. You said that you would never do that again and now you're doing that again. At some point in every relationship and especially in romantic relationships, there is going to be a gap between what is promised or what is expected and what actually happens. It is inevitable. What you said when you, were, when you were dating, when you were giving your wedding vows, what, what you gave as a promise, maybe just a mundane thing in life. I mean, it, it can be deep, it can be shallow, it can be specific, it can be general, but just at some point, there are behaviors and then there's a gap. Now, now here's the choice you make all the time. Every one of those gaps requires us to put something in there and we either choose between two things to either believe the best or assume the worst 
Every single time we believe the best or we assume the worst. That, that's what we put in the expectation gap. In fact, I would guess that you have, would have an idea what the other person might do more often than not. But what is often the case is that it is harder for you and I to see what we are doing. And this thing that we place in the middle it begins right, right here. The, the, believe the best, assume the worst begins right here. I'm not talking about what you say to them. Eventually you say something to them, but as soon as you realize in your relationship that the expectation gap is there, I expected this, but here's what you did. We immediately in our minds go somewhere. If we're choosing to believe the best, well, maybe it goes like this. Well, she's really busy and she's done so much and she's got so much going on. It's not a problem. I'm sure she'll be here and I'm sure there's a good reason why she's late. That's believing the best. Assuming the worst, you know what? He doesn't pay attention to his watch. He literally wears it all the time, doesn't even realize it's there. He probably isn't paying attention. And we begin to develop a consistent attitude for this gap. Maybe it's a gap in our mindset of, of money, of time, and, and we start to impose that onto every moment of conflict. The, there is this disconnect that we carry between believing the best and assuming the worst. We, we sometimes just need to fight to get on the same page before any change of behavior can happen, but that's not going to be, happen if we are assuming the worst. We, we push people farther and farther away and we start to call out people for their stuff even when we know it's not going to be helpful to them. Adriana and I can attest to this disparity being a vital part of the foundations of our marriage. Believing the best versus assuming the worst. So what fills your expectation gap? We all put something in that gap and what we put in the gap begins right here in our minds and eventually comes out of our mouth and out of our behavior. There's two things that determine what you're going to put in that gap. Number one is what you see. Number two is who you are. Number one, what you see. I, I, I see that he hasn't shown up yet. That's what I see. But who you are is the harder part. And often we don't factor this in at all. Remember, we all come into our, our relationship with our mugs full of stuff family examples, previous relationships, personal insecurities, unspoken desires. We got stuff and we're always spilling them into our relationship. And I think that even for myself, like I'm, I'm a pretty cool, calm individual, but marriage has shown me that it doesn't take all that long for my wife's response to trigger what I have experienced with previous people in my life. And sometimes it just happens and I spill all my stuff. What determines what goes in the gap? What you see and who you are, what you've experienced, your hurt, your pain, your joys, your fears. We bring all of that with us. So let me ask you a question. Do you tend to go, do you tend to go towards believing the best or assuming the worst? As soon as you get that text that says, I'm going to be late or I can't make dinner tonight or I'm caught in a call, where do you go? Where do you go mentally? When there's a gap between expectation and behavior, where do you naturally move towards? Now, you find people who are still crazy in love and you're not finding a couple where, where there is no gap. It, there, there will always be gaps. What you will find instead are couples who have both decided and learned and made a habit 
of putting believing the best in the expectation gap. Marcus Buckingham has, has a theory that in every field, in every realm of life, there is one principle, and if you know that one principle, you will be successful. So to support his theory, he, he gives an illustration for marriage. He said there was a, a group of researchers, and, and they wanted to study successful relationships. And so they got a group of people together that were considered happily married. This was a group who had all been together for, for 10 years or more. And they asked them a, a, a bunch of different questions and interviewed them. And they asked the question, what is the common denominator? They assumed that based on previous research where they had studied couples who had relationships um, that had fallen apart, that they knew what that one thing was. They had discovered in, in the unhealthy relationships and unhappy relationships that there was a huge misunderstanding between the two parties. It, it was a misunderstanding as to what the other party was like. It was a complete disconnect. They didn't understand each other. So, so they assumed that when they studied these happy couples, that they would actually discover something completely different. They would discover a, a deep understanding, a very clear view of each other's strengths and weaknesses. They wouldn't have high expectations because they knew each other so well that they would just say, well, she's not good at that, so I, I don't expect much from her. No. What they discovered was fascinating. It was actually the opposite. In fact, they discovered that they had a very unrealistic view of each other. They, they would test the guy, for example, and he would rate himself in certain areas, and then they would give his partner the same test, and she would rate him higher in every single category, higher than he rated himself, and vice versa in every category. Their conclusion from the test was that love really is a bit blind. One of their findings locked onto the idea of, of a spouse's positive illusion. The spouse's positive illusion created an upward spiral of love. Now, before you think this is weird, this is exactly what you did when you fell in love or when you felt love in a previous relationship. I guarantee you, you thought you were the greatest person in the world, that they were the greatest person in the world and this upward spiral of love from this view of the other fostered security, it's security fostered intimacy, intimacy fostered love. How did they do this? Well, they, they suggest this, the researchers to find the most generous explanation. This is the mental part. Develop it, come up with it, think about it until you discover it, be creative. Find the most generous explanation for the other's behavior and then learn to believe it. Now, this is not affirming unhealthy habits or actions, hear me. Not like abuse, abandonment, adultery, addiction. I'm talking about the rhythms of a relationship in which we have an opportunity to believe the best in the gap come up with the most generous explanation for each other's behavior and then work towards it. Here's some of the, the examples that they give. For example, uh, he's not insensitive. He's just really focused in that moment. She's not impatient, impatient. She just cares. Now listen to me. No matter what your experience has been, every single time you choose what you put in that gap, that's your decision and it begins in your mind. Their research says happily married couples learn to discipline themselves to choose to be generous in their explanation. So with this in mind, 
this, this mindset of generous explanations to believe the best in our expectation gaps. Let's listen to 1 Corinthians 13 verse 7 again. It may be the key for some of you who have grown so far apart or are looking to lay a foundation or even trying to figure out what has happened in maybe a long-term friendship that seems to be falling apart. All parties are frustrated. You're in it. You don't know how to move forward, but let's listen again with that mentality of a generous explanation in mind. Verse seven, love always protects. What does it protect? Well, love protects the integrity of the relationship. I'm not looking for an opportunity to put something in the negative column. I'm looking for a way to keep love alive. I'm looking for a way to affirm and build up. Love always trusts. It looks for a generous explanation. Love always hopes. Hoping and believing for a good explanation. I'm not going to give up hope until proven otherwise. Love always perseveres. Love always looks for the good. Love is willing to push past those moments of difficult feelings. But how, did you, how do you do this? Well, where do you naturally go? This is important because when we choose to assume the worst, every time we choose to go negative, we need to realize we have contributed to the demise of our relationships. We have decided that love was not going to take the lead in our life. That love was not going to take the lead in our relationship. That gets expressed in your attitude. That gets expressed in your tone. That gets expressed in your response, your, your, your text, your, your email. Because hear me. The last thing your fiance, spouse, friend, what wants to do is disappoint you. I don't care how bad the relationship is. I don't care what the history is. The last thing that we want to do in our relationship is to, to cause disappointment or to have others feel disappointed in our behavior or response or performance. And when we go negative, what is communicated is that no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you don't measure up. Every time you overtly or covertly or subtly communicate that in your relationship, what we're doing is we're pushing them farther and farther away. And, and they begin to feel like they've disappointed us. And, and we so often think, well, if, we, if you want to quit disappointing me, all you need to do is get these two things together and then I'll be fine. So come on, perform, perform, jump higher, do better. You know, you know, be more careful. Get here earlier. Hey, if you don't want me to be disappointed, then stop disappointing me. Then just perform. But that's not love as Christ presents it. That's not how you decrease disappointment in a relationship. One of the most powerful things that you can do to communicate love is to fill the gap with a believe the best mentality. And when you choose to communicate that to them, here's what happens. It creates margin in the relationship. And, and, and a healthy person responds to that margin and begins to move in your direction. And when you consistently assume the worst, all it does is create a fear-based relationship. But when you communicate that, man, I believe the best in you, you're choosing to say, I trust you. And love always trusts. You're saying, I love you. Here's how it sounds in real life. I'm running late. That's okay. Uh, you just take your time, I'll be here. Wow. I forgot to pay the bill and instead of, oh man, I knew that you would forget to pay it. Um, I've been waiting for you to forget to pay it because I get to be right again. No, you, you know what, that, that, that's okay. Can I help? That's, that's believing the best. I know you've been busy. We, we've got a lot going on. That's creating margin, margin, margin. And, and 
There's always gonna be expectation gap, but instead of using the gap to make a point and further your, your push away, I'm gonna use this gap to let love lead. I'm gonna bring you closer to me. The more gaps there are, the more opportunities I have to say that I love you anyway. I'm not giving up hope. I'm enduring all things. I bear all things. I hope all things. And listen, I'm not saying that we don't have difficult conversations. I'm not suggesting that we don't confront realities of the relationship. But what I am saying is this, that those conversations feel and look dramatically different from a foundation of I believe the best instead of I assume the worst. This has been transformational for our relationship. The relationships that last and relationships that, that thrive are relationships where people choose to believe the best. Your, your spouse's heart, your, your, your fiance's heart, your partner's heart, your friend's heart is just like your heart. And our hearts are drawn towards environments of acceptance. God made us this way. Security and trust, they breed acceptance. Am I willing to place in that gap a statement that I choose to place trust? How do we do that? Well, Jesus sums up the whole thing. And you've probably heard this before in Luke 6 verse 31. He says, do you do to others that you would have them do to you? So let me ask you this. How's that working for you? What if you decided to do for the other what you would like them to do for you? For some of you, this could be revolutionary. And I'm telling you, it can often begin right here. For some of you, you're gonna make uh, this choice. You have an opportunity to make this choice right after service. As soon as we finish this service, uh, and then you're gonna to have to make a choice, am I gonna come up with a generous explanation and believe the best, or I'm going to, am I gonna assume the worst? Healthy relationships have learned to believe the best, to fill the gap with trust every single time, not just learning to fall in love, but staying in love, being led by love, and seeing how a life led by love places trust and security in the gaps of our relationships, places hope and perseverance in the gaps of our relationships, to love in the way that God loved us in sending Jesus. God proved he believed the best in us by giving of his very best. We're not given, given up on or simply accepted as the law cause but love trusted love hope hoped and love persevered and love shone through and gave us a hope for tomorrow through Jesus that's what love does that's what love is and that's the invitation of love that we are invited to grab hold of and introduce into our relationships here and now you are loved you are forgiven you are seen and you are accepted and when we can embrace that for ourselves, imagine the life that we can live. Now think about applying that also to the relationships in our lives, our marriages, our friendships, our, our, our burgeoning new relationships. If that was foundational, I'm going to choose to believe the best. I'm not simply just saying this to make you feel good. I'm choosing to believe the best because I love you unconditionally. I love you because I have been shown love. And when we believe the best and we start to place that in the expectation gap, we're going to experience that gap over and over again. But we're fighting for the relationship. We're fighting for, for true love to, to stay still in the midst of all of it, to, to be part of all of it. I'm so grateful that I have... I have a wife that is willing to fight alongside me, that is willing to see the expectation gap and believe the best. 
We have moments where we assume the worst, but we consistently come back to that place where we are trying again, trying again, trying again. I'm sorry I didn't believe the best. I'm sorry that I, I didn't, that I chose to assume the worst. And you know what? We come back to that place and we try again and we discover God's forgiveness for us as individuals and as a couple and then believing the best becomes a little bit easier the next time. We're learning, we're pushing, we're growing, we're trying and that's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of relationship with each other and with Jesus at the center that he's with us in the struggle, he's with us in the fight and when love is the thing that leads, there's an important truth that we discover every day with one another and with a relationship with God. You are loved we can show love and we can be led by love. So this morning, uh, my prayer is that you would take time and look at your relationships. Consider how you have been shaped and moved throughout the different experiences in your life and how that's impacted the way that you love others. Do you believe the best? Do we have a, a generous explanation in the expectation gap and how can we learn to do that on a more consistent basis let me pray for you this morning so father we're so grateful that you showed us what love really is that you provided us the the freedom that we needed that we were searching for not just out of obligation but out of love that in the gap between our promises and our behavior, you continue to believe the best and you provided Jesus as the bridge in that gap, a bridge of love. Give us courage today to consider are the part we play in the conflict and the relationships in our lives. Do we believe the best? Give us courage to lean into that place of what love really is. Trust, hope, perseveres, always. Let those words ring true for us today. Draw us closer to your heart so that we can be a blessing to others. Care for the relationships in our church, for the marriages, for the friendships, for the new relationships that are starting to come to life. We're grateful for all that you're doing. Care for those hearts. Give them courage. Give them communication. And give them a hope that's found in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it challenged, encouraged, and inspired you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.